Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your host, Prince, also known as Head Knight, alongside me. We got Freddy. Call me Mr. Funny Shoes. Mr. Funny Shoes. Always uh-huh. been this poopy. <laughs> Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. Uh, David's not feeling well. And David also had a family happening. Thanks. So David's out away for a little bit. We love you, David. We definitely love you. Thank you so much for giving us a heads up. <laughs> but. We're still a group of nights with lots of love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not with a wood. Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, before we even conclude our month here, because you know, it this has been a great month. First, it really has been. It's been weird. I mean, by the way, for those who don't know, if you're just listening for the first time, this is our animals attacks month, also known as Damn Nature, you scary. Uh, So this is Damn Straight, you scary. It is scary. It is very scary. I feel like the movie we're going to talk about could be almost alien esque, but at the same time, not really. Right? It's totally like a like oh shit, we fucked up as humans. It plays a little uh, homage to a lot of stuff. It does. That's cool. It does. I like it. But with that said, we got a special shout out to our patrons, also known as our Ghoulish Knights. We want to give a huge shout out to Rachel or Rochelle. Uh, please excuse me if I say your name incorrectly and please feel free to correct me. Um, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Dylan, Eric, Kelly, Brenna, Daniel, T with Rain, David. I would say thank you, David. And I'm looking in his spot. <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> Carrie, Stu, Brandon, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, <gasps> the Silent Knight himself, whose voice you'll probably hear later if you sign up to our Patreon.com forward slash Goodnight Life. So, oh, Andrew, Scary Stuff Podcast, Samantha, Patrick, uh, Willow, Taylor, Jessica, Sandy, Jarrett, Petra, Jasmine, Chantel, Rio, Mark, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, Eric, Day. Freddie, thank you, Freddie. Hey, <laughs> my grandma Yvonne and my mom Lola, thank you all so much for keeping the lights on inside the studio. Seriously, we could not thank you all enough for keeping the lights on over here in our little lair. <laughs> so, thank you all for supporting the show from the bottom of our hearts. We truly, truly cannot thank you enough. Now, I want you all to stick around to the very end of this episode. And by the end of this episode, I mean at the end of the credits because we are going to talk a little bit about the future of what's going to be happening with the show a little bit and with our Patreon as well. So stick around for that. Or if you want to just skip to it, I guess you have the power to do that too. I can't control your podcast services. Nope. But anyway, (laughs) in this month, we are going to be or to conclude this month, excuse me, we're going to be talking about Guillermo del Toro's Mimic. First and foremost, Freddy, thoughts? Yes, Mimic, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, we did a Guillermo del Toro movie before that I have not 
really seen because of the podcast. I got to see it called Devil's Backbone. That's right. And now I got to see another movie that I had no idea Grandma Del Toro did or ever heard of this movie called Mimic. I want to say this might be his first American-made movie. Probably. I want to say it is. And goddamn. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this movie Mimic. I've never heard of it. I've heard you mention You've it. A never few heard of times. this. I, yeah, but oh, I've only shit. heard it through you a few oh, times oh, in well, passing. I'm very proud of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this movie, especially for this month, it definitely fits the category. But this is a very me movie. I like this movie. Yeah. Very fucking much. Really. Uh, there's a lot of good things in this movie where I think. It does so, so well. And it just like shows me it's like, damn, this movie is what, 1997? And it looks gorgeous to look at. The shots are amazing. And it just shows how true Guillermo del Toro is as a master class in directing and how he puts the camera angle and how like big the sets are and the music and the score and the creature design. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I was talking to the Silent Night before we were recording. We were talking about like, this feels like a very big movie grand scale yeah and i have to agree with that it's like this looks like a very big budget wait till of, you hear the budget <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's probably not that big i mean or we'll see we'll see we'll no, talk about it we'll talk about it um but yeah no i loved all of it i don't agree with a lot of the character decisions i would say uh and there's some stuff in the story where i'm like oh cool that's a really cool scene but it doesn't become relevant at all in the movie they could easily take that out yeah. and now i know that there's two different versions of the film too there's the regular cut and then there's also the director's cut right so Which i don't know that the differences uh directly are right but i'm gonna look them up while you're still talking yeah but uh i have to say like guillermo del toro is amazing at what he does he's a really good storyteller uh but at the same time his exposition for the film is always the use of the camera, the panning shots, the tracking shots, the low angles. Uh, and like I said, the grand scale of all of his set designs look gorgeous to look at. And it just feels very realistic. And I was so happy to watch this movie with my friend uh, where we're just going back and forth. Like, oh, they're not going to go there. And they went there. But <laughs> some of the scenes, I'm like, oh, dude, that's crazy. Like, this movie is brutal. And at the yeah. same time, it's like you can't look away. Like you're impressed by what you're seeing, which is a pretty awesome. I agree. Um, I did find the differences here. Uh, one of the differences being that uh, in the theatrical version, it starts with the Dimension Films logo versus the director's cut starting with Miramax logo. Interesting. Okay, so the director's cut has the Miramax. Yeah. Did which I think the director's version? Isn't Dimensions Miramax? Maybe before they changed, maybe? I think I, I think they're the same. Right, because like same, same, I know I know Scream did Dimension, I think, in the beginning, and now it's Miramax. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool, uh, I guess. But interesting. This is something we could probably save at the end of the show, and maybe even for the post show, even because um, I think that would be really fun to talk about. Definitely. You know, I love this movie. Me too. I very much love this movie. I, I think this is a film that really holds up quite a bit. Yes. Um, even there's though like the one CG or two is just like bleh. But like at the same time, like there's a lot of shit going on in here that I'm just like, this movie's just a lot of fun. Yes. And the fact that we get a fucking bug eating a kid. Come on. Like, <laughs> oh my God, dark, come on. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, but that's the thing. Like it's dark and it's unheard of, especially a film that comes out in 1997. Like, you don't see kids die on screen. 
friend. So that was the first like <laughs> when we talked about it. We'll talk about that scene. But it's yeah. like that was the first bet me and my uh, friend were having. I said, "Yeah, they're gonna go there." It's like, "Nah, they're not gonna go there." And then they went there. It's they like, went there. Hell yeah, I went. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know if that's winning is a good thing. Yeah. That's like, oh yeah, he's gonna go there. Hey right, man, you didn't write the story, but <laughs> but no, I, I I definitely agree that like this movie has its points where it definitely goes there. Yeah, it was cool to see a young Josh Brolin there too. Yeah, man. His character is Josh. I, I know. I was like, That's how funny. hell original. Uh, <laughs> but but let's uh let's dive up into this, Joe, you know, because like I, I feel like we got a lot of ground to cover with yes. Mimic. Mimic, directed by Guillermo del Toro, released August 22nd, 1997, two days after my daughter's birthday, not year, obviously. <laughs> Runtime of one hour, one hour and 45 minutes with a budget of $30 million. Yeah, it's not bad. And a box office of $25.5 million. No! Though. However, they made two sequels. They did. There's they a trilogy. Believed in it. They believed in it. <laughs> I mean, because of this movie, I want to see the sequels. Oh, they're not good, but go for oh, it. Yeah. Um, a rating of 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Surprised by that, too. Are you? Yeah. What would you, like what would with, you say um, this, this rating deserves, then? You, you feel like this is underrated? If I were to give it, a, I, I think it would be on the high end. I think it would be like wow. maybe like an 85%. And I, I say that truthfully as like someone who loves film and have like the the background of like knowing what goes into it and the shots. Sure. Um, I think this is a very beautiful looking film. I think it's yeah. well crafted. I think it's well executed. Like I said, maybe the story itself kind of falls flat. I think that's sometimes. where I think that's where I downplay it a bit. I think it, I think the story ultimately yeah. is uh, where it's not as strong as all of the shots and things you're describing. Right. It's yeah. uh, the beauty before like the actual product itself right? right yeah um so i can understand it but i was surprised it was that low interesting i was i i would say like realistically maybe in the high 70s that's what i was thinking i yeah. was thinking high 70s for sure is, is around where i would kind of place it because the the story is where i feel like it's a little lacking yes and some but there's so much enjoyment and of there, course, is, there, there enjoyment. are some scenes in here i'm like oh we are definitely going to be talking about that oh fuck where it's yeah. like uh, <laughs> i already know what scenes like, you're already talking yeah. about <laughs> i looked at my friends like oh prince is gonna say something really big on this part it's like, yeah. i was like yeah that's like that's the trope <laughs> and if i don't say it Say it for me, Freddie, because you already know I'm going to say it. <laughs> we open to the overhead of New York as we quick cut through carcasses of bugs and news reportings with our title shot. Um, once, once, like, right off the bat, I'm already loving this fucking opening yeah. sequence here. But- Sirens wail as a little girl is sobbing. A doctor named Peter Mann is explaining the history of Strickler's disease. It, began, it, it being d- diagnosed two years ago, and they aren't any better off now images of ribbons with children's names on them hang from a gate fade to a child um fade to a child in a medical facility ran by a church peter this is the weirdest fucking medical facility i've ever seen so this is the thing it's like all right story-wise and realistic wise it's like this is not really why do they all have lights but at the same time it's like all illuminated like the fucking ghosts this is where it's like style over substance right this is beautiful to look at visually yeah, no, yeah, this it looks makes great. No it's sense. symmetrically perfect. Yeah, like and the like, camera goes from the top and lowers down. It's very symmetrical. Yeah. It's beautiful to look at, but at the same time, it's like, why? You can tell at this why point is this in time, thing? This, this is, like is where... It, right, and I think that's the point. Because yeah. uh, you can tell this is where Guillermo del Toro kind of got his inspiration for Devil's Backbone a little bit, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, you have this, but I don't think he was able to lean into it as much as he wanted to. Because this looks like he wanted to make a ghost story right here 
Perhaps. But he this could. is like um, the foundation of what he's going to make in the future and stuff like that, too. I don't know if he has a problem with kids, though, with like trauma and tragedy. But he, yeah, that's what he does, man. Yeah, that's what, what he does best. That's what he does best. Also, yeah, it starts he off it. strong with like, hey, look at all these sick kids. Yeah. Welcome I mean, to my movie. His next film, I think, is that's going to involve children is The Haunted Mansion. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter continuing to wanting uh, and wanting his colleague Dr. Susan Tyler, his colleague for now, know what I'm saying, <laughs> to see this for herself. Sharon, that it is the same uh, site as at every hospital, and for the lucky ones, it is a lifetime in leg braces. She walks past all the hospital beds with children either breathing or coughing violently and rapidly. Peter expressing that most of the kids won't make it. She hears a girl not t- not tended to coughing from behind a curtain. She moves it back, shedding a tear as the little girl looks uh looks back at her breathing rapidly he comments that they need her help susan and peter are underground in a sewage system with ha- with hazmat suits on he-, he hands her something as she continues moving the curtain ceiling shut as she continues why this why the curtain got to shut so hardcore though yeah you know, i'm like that curtain looked like it could fucking chop someone's hand off. <laughs> and this was like, oh, realistically, looking at this movie, I'm like, oh, this movie's from 1997. Yeah. This looks really great for his time. Oh, this looks fucking awesome. This looks like yeah. a rival. Right. Like, like I was like, <laughs> like why does this look right so here. crisp and clean and well, like the lighting? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, 4K restoration's a thing. But True, like, of course. still, like, you're right. This movie looks fucking incredible. And I love that the... The movie is not easily accessible of understanding what's really going on. Like at this point, it's like, what is going on? You're like, bugs? like I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, what is this like machine? What are they doing? Why is the hazmat suits? They don't give you a lot of information at the very beginning of the movie, which I appreciate. Well, they don't baby. Yeah, they they don't for sure. Like you can obviously tell. Like okay, what's ever down there is contagious. They don't want what these kids got. Right. But like, yeah. To what extent? What it is? Right. Strickler's disease. How's it passed? Kind of thing. Right. She places a contraption down on the ground. The roaches scurry away from her as she releases the top. She opens the pod of um of release of. She opens the pod, releasing a different species of bug onto the ground. It secretes a white foam, c- attracting the cockroaches to eat it. They, co- they come back later, all the bugs piled up dead on the ground. Peter's VO compares the disease like a thief in the night, stealing an entire generation of children. Commenting at a press rally that it, it was deadly, no cure or vaccine could be found. The CDC not being able to contain it, so they decided to go after its carrier, the common cockroach. He introduces that Susan was the reason that they haven't had any cases of Strickler's disease. The crowd applauds, applauds as she as she gets up to speak to them. She she jokes that she doesn't need the, to share how how resilient the common cockroach is. They all laugh as she continues that they that they had to find a new avenue of attack since they are practically immune to chemical control. She spots Doctor Gates in the crowd. He isn't pleased and he has and he has had enough. Walking out as she explains that they created a biological um, counter agent. I was like, what the fuck is his problem in the beginning? <laughs> right? like, Maybe he wanted to solve it himself and he like it's like oh this person. Well, came I mean in we and ex- the we explain yeah. it later, right? Exactly. Like, like that she released this new species out to the and that's world. That's what he has a problem with. Right. And he's just yeah. like, you don't know what this could have done, kind of right. thing. Like you were so reckless to give this thing such a large playground that you could have you could have done way more harm than good. He's Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're playing <laughs> a new species is wiped out um a new species to wipe out the, the roach population, calling it the Judas breed, and she shows it off inside of a jar. We move out to um we move out of to 
to Peter smacking the TV while um, eating Chinese food, calling her inside the room so she can watch their conference together. Susan is inside the bathroom looking at her creation. Peter goes to find her inside the bathroom, sharing that they uh, that their 15 minutes of fame is up. Quick cut to love coverage. Peter explaining that this is where he met his his now wife. And at the beginning, I was like, how much time has passed here? Like, Jesus. Right, I guess we find out later it was three years, yeah. right? Um, she sits on the corner of the tub in her gown. He kneels down, hugging her, asking if um, if this is Catholic guilt thing. She explains that they don't know what impact uh, it what impact is of what they actually did. He, he moves closer as she falls in the tub with the water inside, mentioning that there will be a lot of kids running around this summer because of her. He kisses her as she, as he gets inside the tub with his clothes on, wanting a couple of kids of his own. They playfully joke with each other before making out. And I'm just like, dude, like that's why I was just like, how much time is passed here? Because like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like you, uh, this seems like this is like the next day. <laughs> right. right. I mean, they're literally looking back at the footage of them just talking. Right. About it. Unless it was just, a recorded footage. I would assume like it has been, right? Like, that'd be, uh, like they had their friend recorded. We don't get that three year jump until like after until, the scene. Uh, right which after is very this. Interesting. That's what I'm just, this hasn't uh, been like a year. My biggest problem with this scene, for whatever reason, is like, why do you care just bug around? Like, why don't you just leave it in the lab or something like that? It's like, why are you taking your work technically home with you? It's fair. I mean, it's her passion too, though, right? I, yeah. Like, what are what are bug people called? Bug people. <laughs> You're like freaks, and no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, what uh, pe- people who study bugs? Uh, that's that's the proper term, right? People who study bugs. Insectology. Um, just kidding. Just it is an entomologist. An entomologist. Uh, so. This is like her life. Right. Right. Her passion. Like this is she it, like when you are, I feel like a scientist, like my, my brother-in-law's a scientist. He's a geologist. Um, I, I wouldn't say he takes his work completely home, but he does have like rocks and shit just on his counter. And I'm just like, what's this rock? And he tells me what kind of rock it is. And so it's just like, I understand that like a lot of these folks do like they're passionate about so therefore they're going to bring it home like same thing like with us right like i mean we're super passionate about horror which is why we have a whole studio made of horror (laughs) but yeah fair enough (laughs) fades to three years later a thunderstorm forcefully um, plays out a preacher harry ping uh comes running out on top of the building trying trying to escape a screeching creature chasing him shout out to the fucking name in every single character in this movie I'm very, very happy about that because like some movies don't do that. And I'm cough coughing to the next film we're going to be covering next week. (laughs) He closes the door behind him, unlocking it. The creature pounds on the door, causing him to run on the edge of the building while holding his arm. He notices a scaffold resistant to jump. But the creature bursts through the door. He jumps down the scaffold, breaking as he tries his best to hold on. Excuse me. The creature looks down at him. He loses his grip, falling down to the ground, screaming as his head connects to a paint can. Fucking looks amazing. This looks great. It does. A little boy named Chewie across the alley is humming and rocking with his toy. Uh, he he looks he looks out of the window, able to identify Harry's shoes, even down to him wearing a size seven and a half. The creature steps over the preacher, clicking as it drags him away. Chewie copying the clicking noises with a pair of spoons. The creature drags him underground, pulling and pulling until his body smashes through the hole. Chewie stops the playing stops playing the spoons, playing with something something else, repeating quote funny funny shoes end quote 
This is fucking great, man. Uh, it's a very intense scene, too, because this is our real introduction to what our threat is. Yeah. Um, and it's, like you said, it's, like, beautifully well done and beautifully shot. It's also so brutal. with, like, the white paint, too. It, like, it takes the severity a little bit out of it. It's like, oh, it's not super bloody, but at the same time, you understand it. You understand the impact that that fucking right. dude's head hitting this goddamn right. paint can was. Um, <laughs> and I was, like, at this point, I was like, I'm really confused because I try to go to this movie completely blind. I've only seen just the poster at this point. So knowing this information i was like oh is this a slasher like maybe it's an alien movie but i was like oh it's a creature movie because that's why we're doing this month so i like at this point i, like, I had no movie. idea what it was right yeah so it's still cool because there's still a lot to explore with the story yeah. and even when you see what it is you're still just like wait what the fuck is that like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. like what's going on next day it is a crime scene where we have our uh, pistachio eating CDC worker Josh on the case Josh over here looking like a straight detective and you're just like nah we're from CDC <laughs> Peter comes through waving his CDC badge around to get through the crowd Josh greets him Peter forcing him to tuck in his shirt while he gives Peter the rundown such an old school way of thinking right um, he asks Josh if he's, if he's sure that if he's sure that this is yellow fever, he agrees. Going over the two uh, to the two cops that found the scaffold, the, the paint, and they looked inside the cellar window. Peter bends down to take a look inside the cellar, but he doesn't see anything right away. A group of people run up to the window, banging on it, Josh expressing that he couldn't let them out until he got his okay. They head inside. Josh sharing that there are three dozen people trapped inside with bacterial samples reading off the scale, but nothing airborne. He continues that Harry ran this place, but there's no sign of him. He stopped Peter, asking if he's had lunch. He nods. Josh snarks for him to, to try and keep it down when he sees what's next. They move to the other room, someone pulling off a sample of shit from the ceiling. Literal shit right. from Dang. the ceiling. Josh jokes that this is what he loves about his job. Peter in instructs him um, Peter instructs him to board every single exit, not wanting it to spread since he can lead uh, to the subways. They move overhead as the creature listens below. What a fascinating scene. It really is. It's uh, it's one of those scenes where, like you said, like they act like detectives, but at the same time, it's like they kind of have to because it's something so severe. It's like, yeah, this can spread to more people. And that's the thing that they're going to fear. Uh, and I have to say, the practical effects of the shit looks really disgusting, and it's very effective. And <laughs> that looks like, like real shit. <laughs> oh my god! Like, it, I think there's something disturbing <laughs> the fact that there's hanging shit. <laughs> we like, fucking, why couldn't we it just be on the ground? Later. It's a detail that like they decided to do as a team making this movie. It's like <laughs> we should have it hanging. Why? We fucking read later that it was actually Guillermo del Toro doing a handstand. Uh, cuts <laughs> to Susan going inside the Natural History Museum. She notices her friend. Remy sitting on the on the bench sobbing. She picks up a Polaroid camera to take a picture of herself. Susan asks what's going on. Remy explains that she's commemorating her sad moments. They both chuckle. While they are walking upstairs, Remy is sharing the, the story about her date um, trying trying to drug her. I'm like, wow, she Dark. was super fucking nonchalant about that. And I'm just like, what the fuck? The like the 90s, 90s? dude. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, they agree that the city is full of perverts and they um and they don't know anybody anymore. Two kids, Ricky and Davis, stop them asking if Susan is a bug is the bug lady. You the bug lady? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to New York accents, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned that uh, I think a New York accent, a strong New York accent, or an, an East Coast accent. My favorite accent of all fucking time. 
That's fair. My favorite. Like, I don't give a fuck if it's Boston. I don't give a fuck if it's New Jersey. I don't give a fuck if it's New York. It is the best. It is something so velvet about it to yeah, about me. About that coffee and water, huh? Bro, I can't even do it. So. Like, that's, that's I, my best attempt. Sorry, guys. If every single time I see someone on fucking TikTok talking about the coffee on the corner, I went and get my bagels. I'm just like, yo, I'm listening to this shit full through, and I have no idea what you're saying. Are you talking to me? <laughs> well, you must be talking to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's great. I'm walking I'm here. Very, very huge fan of those accents. So I Love loved you. these kids. I fucking loved them. I thought they were amazing. They're they brought so much life to this movie. They mentioned that they're um that they're there to deal while pointing out pointing at his box of sealed cornflakes. Inside her inside her office, she educates how a properly big how how to properly pick up a butterfly and moth. She pulls out another bug from her bag, quizzing him on what kind of bug it is. Ricky answers a swallowtail. That's correct. <laughs> I was just like a bug. I don't know. Uh, he wonders why she likes bugs so much. She shows him a cave full of termites, wanting to imagine that he's one of them. He thinks that it, it would suck to be one of them having to eat furniture. She tells him not to judge them too quickly. She moves a camera around, pulling him o- over to the screen, showing him a, sh- a, sh- a shoulder, excuse me, a soldier. I spelled shoulder. <laughs> um, they wouldn't quit fighting no matter how injured they were. She she takes them back over to their cave, educated the mo- most bugs don't kill. They just stun their prey, dragging them down into, into a different tunneling system called a pantry. This is very fucking mm. important. Absolutely. Ricky asks if they eat it alive. She agrees, pulling him down to the nest, the heart of the colony. He doesn't understand. Susan explains that if the entire colony would die if anything happens to this particular nest. He claims that he would just leave and start his own, but he wouldn't be able to do that, pointing out the king. Him being the only fertile male out of the whole nest. She continues that this is a, this is a beautifully balanced Davis comes up uh, behind her asking if she wants to buy butterflies or not. He's like, hey, yo, lady, you want to buy some butterflies or not? Hell yeah. She's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Let me see the butterflies. My dude. See, it's like a drug deal. <laughs> I, love, I love what he says, too. He's like, whatever peels your banana, lady. <laughs> okay, so me and my friend were talking about that when we were uh, watching this movie. We were like, we have to use that in whatever real life. Whatever peels your banana, lady. <laughs> whatever peels your banana. That's fucking amazing. But this is a great part of this uh, the scene is where she's giving us like the ground rules of what's happening next and like yeah. what's going to happen with the whole entire movie. I love when movies do that where like they set rules like this is the rules of what's about to go down and this is like exactly how we have to follow it it's like all right cool we know if you kill the king they're all dead yeah cool we understand that now yeah everything is kind of established right yes which we we saw in our previous film as well um arachnophobia remy remy uh pets a large or excuse me remy pets a large ass cockroach as susan grants them five dollars for their fines they're happy with that. Can't blame them. Like, lady, I was just picking some fucking bugs for you, and you're going to give me $5 for this. Come on, man. You ain't <laughs> picking bugs. I don't see you picking bugs. I'm going to need 10 <laughs> Davis uh, wanting to show her the weird bug. Ricky's stopping him as, as he requires a $1 payment just to look inside. Remy whispers something as uh, to her as they explain that the, um, they got it off the subway. She offers them $10 for everything with some specimen jars, tweezers, and mounts. Davis says that they have a deal while Ricky pulls him aside, reminding him that they have, they have the best thing inside. Davis expresses that the bug is almost dead anyway, so who cares? Ricky agrees, handing, handing her over... 
handing her over the box. Susan is gathering her new bugs. A gust of wind blows through the room. Remy and her and her try pulling the window down, but they are having a hard time um, doing so. The bug chirping and moving inside the box behind them. They are able to close the window, not noticing the creature staring down from below. Cut to Josh, uh, or excuse me, Josh brings some coffee to Peter as he speaks with the captain of the police force. The captain arguing about him putting his officers on quarantine. Peter tries explaining how easy it is to spread. Chewie and Manny are walking through the alley as um, so they can make dinner. He picks up a wire staring, staring at someone. Manny tells him not to stare, it not being polite. Josh shares that he found buttons inside the turd. Ayo, what? I wonder where that came from. <laughs> Peter doesn't understand as Josh um, jokes that they needed, they needed extra fiber. <laughs> <laughs> Back with Remy leaving from the uh, for the night with her bike, startled by by almost running into the creature who's cloaked like a person, and he looks fucking awesome. Looks really good. Yeah, he looks great, dude. Um, he looks so good. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like it's it's fascinating because in like my track of mind, it's like when I find out the more information later of what that is. Yeah, it's like oh, it's a full insect. But right. it has, like, intelligence to even, like, wear clothes at this point right now to, like, mimic and look like a person. I don't even think it's close. I it's, think it's not I think, close? No, I think it's supposed to be its wings oh, wrapped it's like around covered. it. Oh. Yeah, like a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, go back. Check that out. Because, I, yeah, I think, I think it's supposed to be its wings that are going to be, like, initially wrapped around as its body. Because when it opens so up, it it's, looks like, like, no clothes coat. that, like, fall off. But it looks like a coat. Um, it's cool, though. It's really, really cool. But you know this is this is the beauty behind um, Guillermo del Toro, though, right? Where he very much loves showing off the monster. He, he does loves about it. showing it off the monster at the same time. Right. He's really good with lighting. He, he is has, very good with lighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we even see later, and we we see this bug a lot in this movie, though. So like. We get a lot more guest appearances of this fucking thing. She laughs while apologizing, hopping on her bike and riding off um, while looking back. Meanwhile, Susan is still inside her lab, carefully opening the box, fishing out the bug. She's amazed at the creature, calling it a baby. She tries to go and touch it for some fucking reason. It (laughs) bites and latches onto her. She pries it off her hand and stabs it with a mounting pin out of anger. About to check her hand, she notices that um, that it is secreting the same thing that her bug uh, creates did the creature continues watching from outside in the shadows susan grabs one of her recordings about the judas breed as she goes over the data she fast forwards the tape until she finds the life expectancy of being 100 120 to 180 days the bug is still moving and chirping as it's pinned down the large creature is now standing right outside the window she doesn't notice as she continues flipping through her papers the creature opens the window quietly going inside looking looking over over at the baby baby bug uh, pinned down. Susan checks her new sample next to next to her saved one. Them both matching up. She sighs as she holds her head down. The light bursts and and glass breaks. She goes over to the area, noticing them. The window is now open and her specimen is gone. She grabs the tweezers, searching for it on the ground. Not able to find it, she hears something moving around. A moving above her she slowly crawls out of out from underneath the table the creature on the ceiling watching above it drops quietly it drops quietly um excuse me it drops quietly down behind her swiftly moving out of the room through the window the creature walks back uh to its hole in the alley amazing great sequence 
Great sequence awesome. of like suspension. It, it definitely like pauses where it needs to and slows things down. Uh, we get that cool, nice little montage when she's doing all the research of like fade ins and fade outs of like everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's really incredible to look at. Yeah, and like I said, it's well crafted. Yeah. Chewie hums while he plays. Manny lights some wax with his cigarette. Um, or he lights some wax and his cigarette with it he, and starts cleaning his shoe. The creature chirps as it goes up to the building, Chewie commenting about it, um, about its funny shoes, calling him Mr. Funny Shoes. Manny gets up, looking out of the window, not seeing anyone there. He tells Chewie that it is not a holy place over there, um, even though they have Jesus on the cross. Cuts to Peter um, and Susan at their apartment, Peter hanging up the phone with the cops. He goes back to playing his piano as he shares that the cops aren't on it, um, are on it. She acknowledges that that to be a good thing. He stops playing, asking her uh, to not work at night for a while. She explains that she can't do that, wanting to get back into her lab tonight. He argues that someone broke into her office, apologizing for her lo- losing her specimen, but wants her to get their priorities straight. And I'm like, hey, yo. What's that supposed to mean? Like, you could work, but I can't? Okay. Right. He's kind of a fucking dick, dude. He look, he is, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Like, I mean, we get the situation with the cop a little bit later. Right. There's a lot of yelling on his part. It's like, a no, lot of yelling. Just doing their part. Like, yeah, there's a lot of character decisions where I'm just like, why? Like, why do you have to be this way? <laughs> Bruh. She rebuttals that this isn't just a specimen, sharing that she did a pH test and there are only two species that matches what she found. One being a leafcutter ant in the Amazon and the other... The other one was the one that she released three years ago. He stops playing around, or excuse me, he stops playing again, reminding, <laughs> I mean, he should stop playing around, reminding her that she uh, she said that they only had a lifespan of three months. She explains that they were engineered to be sterile adults, not lasting past one generation. He agrees, asking what happened. <laughs> she shares that the, that the one she examined today was a baby, but she designed them to die, to die and now, they're breeding. Well, shit. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah, that's super scary. Like, you created this fucking thing, and now, they're breeding. Like, this is literally why Homeboy was mad at you when you were giving your speech. Right, you're controlling something that you have no idea what it is. Yeah, you're controlling something you have don't, you don't have control you're of. You're messing with nature. Right, exactly. You're trying nature to play be scary. God, right? Nature is scary shit, especially when men make more nature, right? Yes. So, fucking scary. Or I, I should say people make more nature. But, um, what's up? It says six months? Three months. Yeah. We're looking at the screen, and on the screen it says six months. But I wrote yes. three months. But whatever. A month span. They have a short lifespan. Yeah, that's all that matters, lifespan. right? Yeah. Yeah. But 120 days, is that six months? No. No. That's three. Yeah. Right? Is that different cuts? Maybe. I don't fucking know. Whatever. <laughs> or 120 days is four months. Four months? Four months? Either way, <laughs> it's six months on the screen. They have a short lifespan. They have a and short they're lifespan. They're supposed to die, they're supposed to die in half a yes. year. Um, inside the subway, Manny is uh, shining shoes while Chewie is staring out. He calls out to Chewie for his bomb. Um, he doesn't break his gaze. Manny grabs it, telling him to pay attention. Peter is standing at the end of the hall wa- waiting for uh, Davis to break 
break through the lock. He goes over to Davis, asking if this is where he found the bug. Davis agrees, but they change the lock. Susan and Remy are, are talking with Ricky, showing him an image of something. He hasn't, um, he hasn't, or showing him an image of something that he's probably has seen. He hasn't. Questioning what it is. Susan un- answers uh, that it is an Otheka, explaining that it is an egg case, commenting that there's probably more weird bugs inside of it. He claims that he hasn't seen it and that um, he would he would throw up if he saw one. <laughs> Peter gets the door open, um, paying both Davis and Ricky. Ricky wondering if there's money to be made off these eggs. Remy takes them away. Ricky wondering if they uh, find more eggs while uh, will they get more money? I mean... That's a fair thought. They walk past <laughs> Chewie as, as his father or grandfather. It was very hard to tell. Um, <laughs> um, while they are shining the police officer's shoes. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, this was my first time watching this too. Oh, I interesting. Mentioned that, yeah. Um, I've Obviously, I've heard of this movie before, but yeah, this was my first time watching this flick. Damn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved it too. Uh, Peter and Susan head inside the dark and damp room. He finds a light as they move around the area in search for the bug. The room shakes and clatters as a train passes by, but Susan hears something else. They search for the sound around the room. She opens a locker, pulling out some beads. Dropping them onto the floor, they roll underneath another locker, falling through a crack in the floor. She wonders how deep it goes. He, um, he, uh, Drops another bead, throwing it down, um, getting down to to take a look. Not seeing a not seeing the bug hissing underneath his hand, he drops his flashlight. He's not able to reach it. She goes to try she goes to try since she has smaller hands. She reaches in the hole, excuse me, almost able to grab the flashlight as it f- flashes on the bug like creature's face. Whoa, the fuck, dude. Peter tells her to leave, but she couldn't continues trying to thinking um that she almost has it. Dude. Like I I found this scene to be so fucking great. This was just so the perfect amount of fucking everything. Yeah, like it's we the saw amount the of perfect detail. amount of them. Like it was great. It, it's the camera angle too, which is like you see her reaching out, almost yeah, touching dude. the camera, but it's also touching, like about to touch, like this the actual thread, the light of the flashlight. There's Jesus a lot of Christ. elements in this one scene where it's like it's hard to pull off, and it's done so well where it creates that tension where it's like, cool, you're so close to something that's dangerous and you have no idea, and us as the viewer can see it. And yeah, how this close is you are to actually getting attacked. Such a great amount of tension here. Yeah, such a great amount of tension. The creature moves in closer to her hand, about to snatch snatch at her, but they're interrupted by a cop, Leonard, um, coming into the room. Oh, Leonard. Uh, meanwhile, the, the two boys are walking on the tracks, theorizing how much money they can receive for finding the eggs. They come across something rust, rustling underneath a tarp, slowly approaching and gently kicking the tarp. Um, something moves underneath. Ricky cautiously goes down to move the tarp, startled by the group of homeless people lying there like bro called them fucking moles and skags I'm just yeah like, hell are, these fuck, kids dude. are out of pocket <laughs> like, and i'm surprised damn. how they're like nonchalant like all right cool you just pulled out a tarp and there's a bunch of people there i was like you should be like all right let's get out of here yeah. like we're bothering people <laughs> like this is not like this is their home yeah and you're calling them names. I was like, that, that sucks. I like, do love how all of these homeless people just started fucking coming out. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait a second. Well, how many of them are there? And they're just like nonchalantly just like walking away yeah. from the situation because they're all coming up to like it would have been at them. It would have been fucking amazing if like 
one of those one of those homeless people was one of the bugs. And like it just walks out with all of them like as like it, it is a person. Right. And it follows them. That would have been fucking amazing. Instead, they do this. The boys continue yeah. walking on the track as the homeless folk yell for them to get off the tracks. They follow the boys onto the track as they talk shit back to them. Peter tries to reason with the cop um, that they are uh, on CDC business, but Leonard doesn't care, reiterating that the lockers are MTA business. Susan wants to pay for the lock that they broke off. He becomes irritated now that he's speaking with her, asking who is he talking to. Peter gets back into his face, claiming that he's talking to him. And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck is this? Like... You're talking to both of us, Leonard. How about that? Peter. Like, what the fuck? Peter and Leonard. Like, (laughs) the fuck? She frustratedly walks away. Rightfully so, man. Leaning on a pillar uh, (laughs) while tapping her foot. Chewie um, plays his spoons, mimicking her foot taps. Um, She notices approaching him as he reveals uh, what shoe she's wearing. Manny instructs him to finish his sandwich. Chewie sits down, repeating the sounds of people walking uh, with his spoons. Knowing what spoons, uh, knowing what shoes they're wearing, she greets him. Looking over at Manny, expressing that Chewie's really good at this, he agrees, sharing that Chewie um, Im- imitates anything while eating his sandwich. I love the fact that we get the whole imitation aspect of Chewie being the way he is, right, and being able to imitate things and create things and things like that. He's like the juxtaposition of what the creature is. Absolutely, way. it's like the kind version of right. the evil or the human version, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She wonders if he goes to school, but he doesn't. Um, but uh, Manny doesn't think Chewie needs school since he's special. She asks Chewie about what he, uh, what he is making. He sh- he shows her that he's making Mister Funny Shoes, holding up his creation. That's um that being the shape of her roach. Manny claims that he knows everything about shoes. Leonard walks away from Peter, telling him to come back with a permit and they can maybe have a conversation. Peter grabs Susan um so they can walk away. She comments that they have to um get down there. He threatens that he'll give uh leonard a special permit since he wants one so badly i'm just like the way he was saying it yeah it's like i'll give him a special he's one. like i'm gonna give him a special permit all right i'm just like it's dude like, you relax. just came back with a regular fucking permit dude why like, are you so heated yeah like chill the fuck out he's a cop you're not like, yeah he's, he's literally doing his job yeah like dude, you're breaking like, in a right place. you're breaking into shit and like like what are you talking about cut back to r&d that's uh, our, our little homeboys. Walking deeper into the su- subway systems, Ricky steps on something slimy, Davis trailing the slime with his Ugh. light, finding a huge sack of eggs. They they move debris out of the way um, to get a better look at the egg. Uh, Ricky makes sure that the egg is, that it is the egg by looking back at the diorama. He pulls out his blade, tapping on the egg, claiming that he can hear the bugs inside. Davis tells him to cut uh, to cut it, knowing that Susan will give them at least $40 for this. He <laughs> carefully starts cutting at the slimy exterior, hearing something chirping inside the darkness. Davis goes to see where the, where the noise came from, Ricky going over to, to see what's going on. The creature stands in the darkness as he shines the light on the creature, gr- uh, growling as he holds a half-eaten dog. My God. Yeah, it's a very crazy imagery because it shows a lot, but also not everything. So you're yes. still like in like suspense of like, what is this thing? I want to see it fully. Right. And it's so disturbing to look at. And um, I was talking to uh, Silent Night earlier before we recorded too. It's like while watching this with my friend, we're like, are they going to go there? Are they going to kill kids? And I was like, I think they're going to go there. 
And he's like, no, they would not do that. And I was like, fuck yeah, they right, went let's, there. Let's take some bets. <laughs> and I mean, being sadistic on these like kids' lives, like, oh yeah, they're for sure gonna go there. <laughs> I mean, it's Guillermo del Toro, right? Right. I mean, like, he hasn't had the. <laughs> this is gonna sound so fucked up, but bear with me. Y'all. He hasn't had to kill kids in a while. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Ricky repeats, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" as he moves backwards, falling over the barbed Dude. wire. He yells and screams that it has him as he tries getting out. David, um, or excuse me, Davis doesn't um, doesn't help him. Instead, this stupid ass kid points his light at another dead dog and gets snatched up by the large bug. Like, if you're not going to help your friend, run. Like, right, if you're um, not going to help your friend, at least save yourself. This is where I was talking <laughs> about, like, with like character decisions and like how I was like, all right, this is a really great scene, but at the same time, it's like. Who like what kids are like this hardcore to like go into the subway and see all these like creepy things I and mean, be like New York? Oh, let's kids, continue, man. right? Yeah, these New York kids it's go New York hard, kids, bro. Um, and I have to say, it's like the hey barbed Arnold. wire did PS not have to be there, but he went there with that too. Like, oh yeah, it like why? cut into this kid's leg. Yeah, yeah, it's that was fucking awesome. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about all of this, right? Because like you're right, this this scene. It's it is a good scene, but it could have been better. And I think the reason why they showed the dead dog, it's the same dead dog, but I think they showed it to um, clarify that, like, oh, this bug is no longer there. It yeah. dropped the dog. Now it it's in the air or whatever. But anyway, the creature growls and screams as it rips into the flesh, then starts working on Ricky. Once it's done, the creature returns back into its civilian-like form. Fuck yeah. Now, it's great to notice here that this moment, remember we, we hear earlier from Susan that she mentions that they like to keep their prey alive and drag them down. That didn't happen here. You right. straight up killed these fucking kids. It's a very <laughs> defensive mechanism. It's like you're about to like cut into my egg sack. Yes. I'm protecting my children. Absolutely. Walter Gates is walking with a crowd inside of a library hall as he lectures about um, an aunt. Susan walks into the room. Her phone rings, catching Gary's attention. She answers it. Why? Like, first of all, you're being hella rude. Like, this dude's <laughs> obviously teaching a class and you're over here answering a phone call. Um, she answers the phone, um, and it's Peter sh- uh, sharing that he got the permits, and they're going going down first thing tomorrow. She sits down with Walter, him seeking clarification. She, you know, like that could have been a page. I know they got fucking pagers. It's the nineties. What's that a pager? Could've, that could have been something he could have been like. I'm gonna page this to her and just let her know, like, hey, we got the permit. Right there, you go. Did you just ask what a pager was? Yeah, as a joke. Oh, okay. I mean. I was going to explain it, but our, our demographic isn't really below the age of 18, so I don't think I have to explain it. <laughs> she answers it. Peter shares... Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, she sits down with Walter, him seeking clarification as to why she hasn't taken a message from the sponsors. And we're back. Instead, he's seeking clarification um, if her little Frankenstein experiment has gotten the best of her. She And I'm just like, damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know it has. That's why she's here. She was hoping that she could tell her, um, really needing 
uh, really needing some answers. He asks if it is answers or uh, or absolution that she wants. Mm. She questions if he if he still believes that making the Judases was wrong. He shares that three years ago he would have uh, called it unforgivable, but he has three grandchildren that are alive today because of her, calling it hypocritical in the past uh, and hypocritical to pass judgment. Damn, he had three grandkids in three years. <laughs> wow, right? Or maybe it was just grandkids he already had and it worked so therefore he was just like oh you saved my grandkids life he believes that there is a likelihood of some of them surviving suggesting that the evolution has a way a way of keeping things alive she comments that they all died in the lab he agrees but she allowed them into the world that being a much bigger lab while manny is asleep chewie is humming in his little corner of his room hearing the clicking noises from across he goes outside on the fire escape with his spoon smiling at the clicks he decides to go over to the quarantine building forcing himself through the boards Grab- his spoons as he continues inside the church with um with wrapped and broken statues he gasps as a gust of air blows past two wrapped statues he touches one one before continuing as the clicking noise continues around him he imitates it as it continues around him of light flashes as the creature appears in front of it chewy smiles as he comments about the funny shoes noticing the uh, the that there's another one behind him they approach him as he continues copying the clicks. They spread their wings. This Why is do you terrifying. Think, this is terrifying. But here's my question. Why is Chewie spared? What What is it about him that it's allows It's the sense him to of communication with the spoons, I think. You think so? I think it's like close enough to like the clicks and he's good at mimicking and imitating that he's actually communicating with them in a way. Right. Even though he's re- just repeating what they're saying. You don't think exactly. they're irritated with that? I think they have some sort of, for sure, intelligence, but I don't think it's like that intelligent that far. Yeah, it's yeah. like, all right, they're still like They're that. still bugs at the yeah. end of the day. Right. Uh, because they, we see them get fooled with like the smell stuff and like the smearing of their own blood. It's like there's ways, like that's the thing. It's like there's rules against it too. It's like you have to make a very difficult threat, but you have to make them somewhat vulnerable as yeah. well. Or else it's like, damn, there is no hope. So the movie's like very dark and grim but here it's like a little bit like oh there's opposition we can like fight these things if we think about it right um but him as a character is very interesting in general like if you kind of take him out of this movie the movie doesn't change i think that's where i had a little problem with it i thought he was gonna have a bigger role with his spoons in the finale or somewhere in the battle or something like that oh like he he doesn't really do anything really or some shit like he (laughs) just becomes (laughs) he he just becomes like a a side quest for his guardian to go find him and that's and i think that's the reason why chewie's alive i think chewie the way i want to see it i want to see it as chewie was just bait Chewie was bait to get more of these people to just come to them so they don't have to go hunt it could be yeah absolutely so, but it's like, why is this kid like going to like the quarantine area? It's like, I don't know. There's a lot of like, why is this kid doing this? I mean, I mean, but at the same time, obviously, like obviously, for movie's sake, it creates suspense. It creates a really right. great scene, and I love that the statues were like covered with like paper because they look like bodies. Like, it's a very yeah. like chilling scene. It is. It's great. So it's it's well executed. It's just like it makes no sense realistically. Right. Well, I mean, we we also have to take in consideration that. They're trying, they're trying to perceive that Chewie is also on the spectrum. Yeah. Right. So uh, I assume that's what 
the his direction, curiosity and him right, wanting to like trying to emulate is yeah, that his curiosity he, got the best. Yeah, it's of very him. innocent. He wants to meet him. He's like, it's yeah, funny shoes. Like it's right. a really cool thing. Yeah, it's just like for me as a viewer, it's like don't don't go in there. Sure, but at the same time, sure. like that's like one of the tropes, right? You want these characters to like not do the things that they're right. doing, uh, because I I do care for this kid. He seemed like a really cool character, but it's like I wanted more from him. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted more from him as well. I, I mean, I didn't care that much about him until the end. To be completely honest, like that's fair. I, there was points in this movie where I was like, I forgot he was even there. Like until Manny had to go search for him. I feel like but, this movie introduces a lot of elements that I liked that never had any type of resolution. Which sure. we'll talk about soon. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Peter waking up uh to a phone call from Remy. Uh she asks for Susan. He goes to find Susan as she's in the bathroom setting up setting a timer as she waits for her pregnancy test. He spots her checking her stomach in the mirror, smiling at her. She's uh she's surprised as he uh asks what she what she has there kissing and hugging her as he questions if they are testing it he shares that Remy is on the phone and she playfully wrestles it out of his hand Remy tells her that they found something in the in the water filtration system she lets Remy know that she'll be right there as she hangs up the phone and sits on Peter's lap they wait for the timer to run out the test coming back negative he kisses he kisses her that they that they can try again later um so yeah she this scene in particular is exactly what I was just talking about is that they set up a great story of like dumb trying to have a child. Uh, they talked about it like three years ago. It's like, Oh, there's going to be a lot more kids and it's thankful for you. There's this whole like um uh, storyline that they're like, Oh, this is a very important thing for dumb as a couple. Yeah. That never comes back in the story. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, well in some ways it does at the end. Right. And that's why I like Chewy because Chewy's guardian dies. Right. Right. So we get Chewie's guardian dying and them now it's, it seemed like Susan was just like, I'm your guardian now. Like you're like, <laughs> you're guess, my yeah. child now. So like in, in some ways I feel like that's what the solution was, was the symbolize. resolution. Yeah. That's fair. That like, Oh, you know, you lost one. We gained one. Like <laughs> <laughs> Not how it works, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's saddened, but claims that the test can be wrong. Kissing him goodbye. He reminds her about the subway permit. She remembers letting him know um, that they, that she will be there when she's done. Susan and Remy um, meets with a man named Jeremy who works at the water filtration plant. Um, and Jeremy shouts out to our boy. Uh, what the fuck is his actual name? Like his real name? I think it's... Uh, here, I gotta find it now. He pl- he played as Daryl. That's all I remember. But his name is... Uh, Norman Reedus. That's right. Huh. Norman Reedus. We get a young Norman Reedus right here. Wait, what? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Super young Norman Reedus. Uh, he expresses that they find a whole bunch of shit in the water, but he's never found anything quite like this before. Pulling it out of a fridge, he reveals the decaying large bug with maggots on it. Remy takes a picture of it as Jeremy jokes that it is a lobster. <laughs> Manny is fixing him. Uh, Manny is fixing um, him and Chewie some food, moving his curtain back, but he's not there. Peter and John. This was interesting because when he goes to see like Manny's not or Chewie's not there, he doesn't look scared. He looks pissed. Yeah, he seems confused. Yeah, he's just like, look, he's like, Ugh. like the way he looks, he's just like motherfucker. Like this kid, he's all like singing in the morning, making breakfast. Again. Sees the empty bed, he's like, hmm. 
So, like, oh, that was weird for me. Peter and Josh are back at the subway with Leonard. They move the locker out of the way, revealing a large hole in the wall. Leonard tells them to hurry up. Peter and Josh hand him a paper that is requiring him to work overtime and assist them. He mouths fuck as they um, head into the sewer system. He instructs them to watch their step as... Th- um, and th- that they have burrows going down seven stories. They start going down the janky ladder. Meanwhile, Manny is on the phone with the police trying to file a missing persons report for Chewy. The cop really sharing that it is 48 hours and, th- and then gives him the case number. Manny doesn't understand what the case number is, uh, what the case number means. The cop explains that it means that he will deal, deal with it in two days, then hangs up on him. Manny curses and uh, curses him in Spanish, then spots Chewy's toy creations, remembering Mr. Funny Shoes. Dude, that really sucks that, like, a missing person's report takes two days to file. Right. Like, if it's even, if it's a fucking child, like, just start it looking. should just be immediate. Like, yeah. as soon as I say my kid is missing, you should just be like, all right, all all hands on fucking deck. Amber alerts the whole nine. Let's fucking get this shit popping. Right. If it's an adult missing, okay. But still, you should look for him. Well, yeah, but, you like, definitely should. It, it's crazy, like... I feel like this scene was really well written because like, oh, here's your case number. It's like, what does this mean? It means we'll talk to you later. It's like, damn, that's some brutal dialogue. Yeah, it was fucked up for sure. Yeah. He heads over across the street to the quarantine building, seeing another piece of wire. He calls out to Chewie and searches for another way inside. Climbing down into the basement, Walter is uh, working in his classroom. Remy drops a large bug on his desk. Why? Quickly (laughs) greeting and sharing that Susan brought him some homework. He inspects a squishy bag with um, with shock. Back with Manny in search for Chewie in the dark and damp tunnel, he hears Chewie humming. He uh, whispers out his name, pulling out the straight razor. He starts moving toward the clicking noises that accompanies uh, that is accompanied with every call out out that he makes josh and peter ask leonard of people excuse me josh and peter ask leonard of people actually um living down there leonard answers that the the quote-unquote mole people live down there but um then they suddenly just disappeared suggesting that they made up something about a killer in the in an overcoat who was slim walter and remy are dissecting into the alien-like bug he notices that the organs are perfectly formed guessing that this this thing isn't a random mutation rather a highly evolved soldier uh, a soldier cast a formidable killer it it not having the ability to be developed in a vacuum it being part of a colony this was also interesting that we never get them able to like save the day here like um, it sounds yeah. like that they were supposed to save the day like finding out all this information and like susan doesn't right. know about it right like they set up a lot of info like they set up a lot with different characters that make no impact on the movie itself but right. it is very like oh it's a setup yeah but set up to what nothing yeah like uh it's like it's a little frustrating but at the same time it's like this was like a cool homage to maybe like uh alien where they're dissecting the face hugger and it looks like organic no, this scene, and i like, like this scene that, i just, really i really enjoy it doesn't this lead scene. anywhere yeah, exactly. There's no new discovery. It's like, oh, it can live long. It's it's like it's a soldier, whatever. It's part of a colony. It's a exposition piece. Well, that's the thing as well is that like they don't relay this information back to Susan. Right. It's just for the viewer. Right. And and that's why I was just like, what was the point of this scene if Susan doesn't know about it? So we know the threat levels higher of them being down there. It's like it's not right. just one bug. Right. I exactly. Guess. Yeah. Like, and but like Susan still goes in blind. 
Yeah. She just knows it like, oh shit, these things are fucking huge. It's just like for us as the viewer to say, oh, they're really in danger. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> cut to Susan in, in in the subway going to where the, the hole is located while the other three continue uh, their trek deeper underground. Josh wonders how much longer. Peter in, instructs them to continue looking around. They get a stench of something as they continue. Leonard stopping when he notices something. He tells them that there's that there's some weird shit going on there while moving his flashlight around the wall. There's uh, there's literal shit on and around the walls. Josh asking him the perfect question to set up the joke of quote Have you ever seen anything like this before? End quote, causing Leonard to cuss them out as he proceeds to go over how he's never seen anything like this quite before. I love how they kept the laugh from one of, from one of them in there too like no one laughed except for one person <laughs> yeah. i thought that was great susan sits on the shoe shining station while looking at the pictures that remy took of the large bug two in particular photos catch her attention she folds one realizing that the bug creates a mass that covers its true face she's she's startled by the train rushing past her she becomes nervous and impatient as she as she as she wants Peter to hurry. She stares down on the tracks, noticing someone in the darkness with the shadow casted on the wall. She asks the shadow if um, if it has the time. No answer. We notice that it is the creature ready to stalk its prey. She begins walking away. When she looks back, it's, a, it's the large bug revealing its wings as it begins to chase her. So see, see what I mean though, Freddy? It's, it's yeah. wings, not his trench coat. Um, this was this is awesome and like I love you know the CG is, isn't even bad here. It's a either. little dated, but it's uh passable for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's passable for sure. Like it's not great, but it's not horrible either. Uh they made a really weird decision to make her character like uh have like a little slow-mo effect. I that think was very that strange. take takes me out of the movie a little like bit. Like when she looks back and it's in slow right. motion. Yeah, Which that, is like cool, it's a dramatic effect, but I feel like that's where it's like it doesn't. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. Yeah, you didn't need her. Just have her start running. Yeah, you that's fine. We didn't need all that shit. Yeah, but <coughs> I also the the sound effects of the wings. I didn't need that too. What was the sound effects? Uh, it, it does not sound good. <laughs> I I can't replicate. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, she stares down. Oh wait, what? Uh, shit, I yeah, lost my spot. Uh, she asks the shadow for the time. She she tries making a run for it, but it catches her, taking her into the tunnels. They collect samples of the poop while Leonard um excitedly shares the, uh, that they're in the old armory station and that it's been closed for decades. I love how fucking Leonard is just like an enthusiast of subway trains and subway systems. Right? He's like, oh, I heard like, about oh, this. So fucking cool, man! I'm in the old armory. Blah, 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 blah. I've never been this deep. I've only heard rumors. It's like, oh, wow, like it does manual, exist. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like El Dorado. It's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Peter sarcastically claims that they're they're covered every that. They've covered everything holding the the, the log in his hand. Um, Leonard believes that they've got whatever they need and for them to uh, get out of there. A smaller bug crawls up the side, chirping at them. Leonard screams out, ah, what the fuck is that? As he proceeds to step on the bug. Peter yells for him to stop, but it's too late. Leonard complaining about the size of it. Peter bends down, noticing that the ledge is creaking below them. It breaks, causing them both to fall down. Josh checks in only with Peter. <laughs> He's like, Peter, you all right? 
He mentions that he's okay while checking on Leonard, who tells him to get off of him, thinking that he's okay as well. Josh questions how, how to get them back up. Peter doesn't know as Leonard comments that there isn't a way up while cracking his back. Peter tries climbing up the pillar. Leonard throws Josh something. Um, Leonard throws Josh something to give to the station manager so they can st- station manager so they can um, get someone down there to help them. Josh doesn't feel confident on finding his way back to um, to the system alone. He takes out a pen, writing down the directions on his hand as Leonard irritatedly and quickly reads them out. I'm be like, bruh, slow the fuck down. Right. Because I don't know what I'm where where to go. I don't know where to go here. I it's funny don't know. because uh the dialogue and how you say it, and if you read the captions, it's funny. It's like you take a left and a right, right? Like he's like confirming it's like right like yeah. you understand but it's like you're giving me direction about going left and right and asking right so it's like oh damn it's really funny yeah. because like you're not saying take a right you're asking the question right it's like <laughs> oh it's so funny to look at and i love it he's just like just go back the same way we came he's like that's the fucking point i was too busy <laughs> grabbing shit so like, i don't remember the way i came yeah Josh asks if um, if he could just stay down there and help them get out. Peter instructs him to go and to toss the glow sticks down. He hurries out. He hurries out of there without tossing the glow. Or it looks like he doesn't even toss them down. He's yeah, he just, just like, like walks. He away. looks like he just walks away. But it, I guess he did toss them down. <clears throat> Cut to Susan uh, waking up on uh, on the ground with the clicking and growling noises surrounding her. You know, one thing that I very much enjoy. I enjoy our protagonist getting the fucking shit kicked out of them. True. I love that. I went into a dark mindset when I saw this scene um, because they, they made such an emphasis of like her wanting to be pregnant. Oh, and I saw that Jesus she was alive. Fucking Christ, Freddie. Right. So I was like, oh, is are they going to pull like an alien move where oh my God. she's going to birth some like weird cockroach creature? <laughs> and like, uh, because the, the thing Mini that squelches. got me, <laughs> and I know this is a dark place to go to, but like, Go I was there, like, man, take us no, there. knowing Bring that there were mind. sequels, I was like, how are they going to continue the story? <laughs> so I was like, is the end scene of her just like dying and then like a creature comes out of her? Because I'm at this point, this movie gave me a lot of alien vibes. So I was, I was, I was as curious as you were to watch them. So I, I watched them shortly after this. Yeah. Um, oh, so you watched them? I, I did. I watched because two and three are on HBO Max as well. So I watched both of them after this. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't spoil they, it. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, or, yeah. I won't. Yeah, they yeah, don't. Our, they don't continue this though. This okay, is, it's just more shit happens. Um, she she cautiously look. There's just as you know, they don't fucking find them all. She cautiously <laughs> looks around her um surroundings as the insects are moving about in another area. She finds a pole that she uh can use as a weapon. She slowly makes her way out over to it, trying to pry it out, holding back gags when she realizes the pole is stuck inside of a person. She yanks it out, continuing to move cautiously as she as she's now armed with the weapon. Startled by the train moving overhead, she sobs but continues trying to her best to fight her way to survive. She goes to open to an open area where people are walking on the ground above calling out from below for uh, for someone to help her well um well her genius plan didn't work and the bugs hear her instead and start making their way toward her one emerges behind her she strikes it with the pole and makes a run for it the bug gets uh gets re- the bug gets it removed or, or removes it i should say um and starts chasing after her 
She makes it into a manhole, falling to the ground beneath. It moves along uh, along. It moves along to another way. Meanwhile, Josh is still en route to find the, find the exit. He hears something from behind a wall. He moves a door out of the way, showing off the egg sacks on the wall. He hears a hissing behind him. He shoots backward, but doesn't notice the creature hiding behind the water wall. <laughs> the waterfall. He continues trying to fit through another doorway, but he can't. Instead, he tries making... Um, making I don't know what I was trying to say. He tries going into into he tries making a stool, I think is what I was trying to say, so he can reach a grate that is above him. Now this is interesting. Cause it's just like obviously y'all didn't come this way. Right. So like at this point he's lost, so he's just trying to get out. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> I do like the the cool scene of like he can see it, but it can't see him with the waterfall. So it shows like, oh, he just has to be really quiet and then he should be good. But he doesn't notice it, right? Or I'm pretty sure he does. Does he? Because he's not like moving frantic. No, but he like, he's very quiet and he sneaks in too. Right. Because I think that thing notices him for sure. Because it's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, he's looking at it. For oh, sure. is he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So All he's like right, very well quiet and he kind of like yeah, sneaks he, in and he yeah, looks back he, to He you. like hides in there. Yeah. That's right. Uh, clicking noises play behind him as he as as he gets the grate open. He reaches for something that may possibly help him make it make it inside the room, but misses, falling back down to the ground, gaining a, the attention of another bug. He jumps up this time, getting a hold of the wire, and he tries pulling himself up, but it's too late because the bug slices his fucking body in half. My guy, I was surprised. My boy, this was Josh great. Brolin died. This was awesome. I was like, oh, you definitely not a main character. But you were. Um, so that's why like, it put stakes on there. It's like, oh, cool. He's someone that we saw from the very beginning and he's got taken out. So it's like, oh, I at this point, his, any I love of them can be taken out. I so much, dude. And I love it. Like, um, it covers the hole. It covers the hole. Yeah, I love After everything like so much, man. It, it's such a good, like, gruesome one. <laughs> really, really good shot of just like, you can just see the amount of pain. And the blood is, coming out of his mouth. The blood coming yeah. out of his mouth. Him just fucking sliding in. It was great. This was great. <laughs> I love it. The blood shooting up right. like onto his jacket and shit. This was fucking awesome. What a great scene. Uh, Susan, on the other hand, decides decides it right to just wait. Manny um, walking overhead and looking down inside the manhole, back with Leonard and Peter, Leonard singing um, as they search around the area. Leonard calls out that, um, that it is weird and that they haven't seen quote-unquote track bunnies by now. Peter doesn't know what that is. He defines them as rats um, and that they're usually around. Just call them fucking rats, dude. Uh, he throws some glow sticks inside of one of the trolleys while Peter grabs an old newspaper from 1945. He yells for Leonard to knock, knock off the singing. Leonard irritatedly explains that uh, he sings when he's nervous. Peter suggests that they rewire the, the wires to see if they can uh, get the lights on. Leonard asks a legitimate question on how he's planning on rewiring the whole system. Peter argues that they um, need a memo of every time that they, um, they take a shit, not liking Leonard's attitude and outlook. Leonard's, uh, Leonard grabs him, putting the fear of God into him as he tells him to be careful on how he speaks to people. And Leonard, or Peter, was scared as fucking shit. And he was just like, look, man, I'm fucking tired of you, my dude. 
I will fuck <laughs> you up. <laughs> like, Rightfully so. Their attention is turned when they hear something clanking in the next area. He pulls out his gun, commenting that Josh wouldn't be uh, coming from there. Manny runs into the room. Leonard asking him what the hell he's what, what the hell is he doing in there. Manny tells him to hurry that he uh, so they can help Susan. They make it they make it back to Susan, making a rope out of their belts um, to help her up. Leonard drops the glow stick, illuminating the blood the bug um, that is flying up toward her. They all start yelling as they bring her up quicker, closing the hole and running off. The bug bursts through and continues chasing them. Leonard yells for them to get inside the car, shooting as he yells for them to push the door shut. They close it, they close it on the bug. It, he continues shooting at it. It rips it. Um, it takes a rip and chunk out of his leg as it pries into the inside the car. It scurries underneath one of the, the seats. Leonard grabs a hammer, hammer, yelling for Peter's dumbass to take it. Peter shouts for him to wait a minute, but Leonard is adamant about killing this fucking thing. Susan <laughs> cries at it isn't dead Leonard understanding that and wanting to kill it but Peter's being a fucking bitch like <laughs> Peter take right. the goddamn hammer my dude it, it, it's fuck? crazy he probably has one of the best weapons in movie history where it just never runs out of bullets too the hammer the, the gun oh <laughs> yeah like he shoots this thing like at least 20 like, times like a million times and, fucking and then gun. he's like still let's working. continue doing it and, he's like, like, and he even says, like, I shot a half clip in this fucking thing. I'm like, what no, three, four. What kind, what kind I'm of like, how, is how many shots? Five. <clears throat> he, six, uh, seven, he's eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> He's frightened as he moves across in search for it. His antenna on his walkie hitting the poles to create a cl uh, clicking noise. Manny hears hears something shaking outside the window, and it is the other half of the body twitching. They they find the top half of the bug. Leonard yells for him to drag it out. It looks it looks like it's dead, but it slashes Leonard's leg as he uh, wants more information on what's happening in there. He starts shooting the fuck out of it. And dude, the damage to his leg is Looks like gnarly. it's already done. It's just like, yeah, dude, you're gonna fucking die. Manny finds out, um, finds one of the tracks to close the door. While Peter tries patching up his leg the best way he can, Manny moves the carcass of the bug. While Leonard yells that Josh isn't coming back, believing that the bugs are already got him, Peter tells him to stop screaming, or they'll they'll meet more of them. Leonard tells Manny to be careful. Uh, Manny comments that, um, that it's dead, but Leonard can't be too sure. Since he's emptied out two clips into it, that's what he says. Susan asks for them to to, to help her to turn it over. She mentions to Peter that they have lungs. Leonard doesn't understand the big deal. Peter comments that the insects don't have lungs. That being the uh, what limits their size. Wow. Yeah. More exposition of like how bad of a threat this is. Yes, dude. She finds that the secretions are also the same. Later, she realizes um, that her increase of the Judas breed metabolism must have sped up its breeding cycle. Yeah, no shit at this point. Noah, that there have to that there have to be hundreds of generations by now. Peter doesn't understand how the Judas could evolve into such a small amount of time. She considers to think generations rather than years. It taking forty thousand generations of apes to turn into humans. He still doesn't see the point. She impatiently exclaims that they changed his DNA, not knowing what they did. Leonard shouts for them all to hold on, wondering if she's if. 
if it's been around, how come nobody's seen it? She believes that they, that they have seen it. She moves to the base of the skin, sharing that sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. Giving the example of a fly looking like a spider, caterpillars looking like a snake, the Judas evolving to look like them, humans. Peter questions if... If anyone above ground knows about this, Susan expresses that nobody would, not until it's too late. The bugs being being able to intimidate, infiltrate, and breed a legion before anyone would even notice. Manny doesn't know how she could do, could do this, yelling as he pushes over a canister, arguing that she that she takes something and make it like a man, one, one who's not a man, mentioning that it took Chewy. Peter tries um, calming him down while Leonard eggs him on. He's like, yeah, come on, Manny. Tell her like it is, Manny. Tell her what she did wrong. (laughs) While they are yelling at each other, one of the Judas bugs punches through the the steel of the car. The crew uh, tries reinforcing as much as they can as the bugs puncture through it. Susan realizing that it's Leonard's blood that's driving them crazy. She yells that they have covered covered the scent, asking if uh, for Manny's uh, razor. She cuts into the the dead Judas, pulling out the scent glands, handing it handing one to Manny, instructing him to rub it on the windows. She then uh, takes the gland and rubs it on Leonard's leg, sharing what uh, what it is. She hands it to him, telling him to rub it all over himself, expressing that that they won't attack if they believe he's one of them. They all frantically rub the gland all over until they stop attacking. I love how later Leonard's just like, "Is this sanity?" Like, well, like <laughs> I am. It's a real question i don't know i mean dude it's a very very good question a very very good question uh silent night do you mind turning on the light for me please good sire thank you um Leonard is going over the map using Manny's lighter as an indicator. He whispers that that they can't get the car moving. They might be able to make it. Manny realizes his tone when he's about to speak, switching it to a whisper as he questions, quote unquote, might. Leonard switches it to probably. Peter asks how... Uh, how he knows if the train will move since it's been down there for so long. Leonard has this strange knowledge of trains, identifying that the car is a CR-17 from Coney Island, knowing that it's made to last. You know, I love that he's passionate about his job and the stuff that surrounds his job. It's great. It's it, it is great. Follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. He wanted to be a train conductor when he grew up, and that didn't work out, so he became a cop. To protect the, the train conductor. <laughs> to protect the trains. <laughs> he specifically requested to work in the subways. <laughs> It's like fuck you. I'm working in subways, man. This is uh, it's follow so, your dreams. It's so weird. I, if I was still Peter, I would. I or if I was Peter, I would have been like, okay, but that does not answer my question. How do you know? Like, <laughs> he he's like, cuz man, my daddy worked I've, on these I've trains. I've lived for this shit. <laughs> he shows Manny where the uh, relay tracks are located, explaining that he sw- that if he switches the the, uh, the tracks, that will get them going. He points at the bo- at the location of the fuse box down to the down the tracks, thinking that they can rewire it. That being enough to juice juice up the whole system. Peter reminds him about his condition. Susan claims that she'll do it as long as she can ta- be talked through it. Um, he is about to explain it, but Peter cuts her off about uh, putting himself in her place. She asks why, knowing more about what's a- what's out there than he does. He he agrees. That being the reason why she and Leonard need to stay in the car since she knows the bugs and he knows the subway system it only being up to peter and manny and i'm just like damn you just gonna fully commit manny like this 
Right. Like, where, where's Maddie say so? Maddie's like, hell nah. What the fuck? Fuck you. You do this shit by yourself. <laughs> he he comments that she needs to uh needs to get back back up so she can undo this. Meanwhile, Leonard is quiet about it, but um as he continues bleeding out, Susan cuts off his uh, cuts off some more glands, holding handing one to Peter and putting some on Manny's neck. Peter is putting putting it on Leonard. He hands Peter a piece of paper, weakly explaining he'll find two wires, one green and one blue. Peter takes it. While Leonard doesn't believe that he, uh, it can be sanitary, asking him to take it off. Peter tells him to leave it leave it on. <laughs> the tra- He's like, no, leave it on. It might not be sanitary, but leave it on. <laughs> the train shakes as something goes on goes on top of it susan puts on this uh puts on the scent of peter she instructs him not to not to touch it or to to sweat since uh they sense chemical changes i love this because he's like right okay don't sweat got it (laughs) that's when people say don't sweat it man yep she meant it she definitely did mean that. Yeah. Susan puts on. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Manny and Peter head out of the car, splitting up to perform their tasks. Manny goes into the office room, hearing the clanking of Chewy's spoons from another room uh, close by. He calls out to Chewy. Meanwhile, Peter crawls into an area with the wires. He looks at the note repeating green blue as if he forgot it. He tries pulling the wires, um, but they are stuck. Trying to yank them close together, but there's a bug right next to him. It reveals its fa- its true face as it walks in front of him. Uh, while he holds his his breath, and this is what I mean that like we get a lot of images of these creatures of these insects, right? Yeah, like they don't hold back on showing us them after they showed us inside the subway with full lighting and everything like that. Like we get a full blown imagery of what these creatures look like now at this point in time, and we spend yeah. a lot of time with them, which I like and I dislike at the same time. But hey, that's just me. The bug is out. Um, he ca- uh, he catches his breath as he uh, reapplies the gland on his face. Because uh, like, fuck, I'll sweat it. He, uh, he lights <laughs> the lighter uh, to get back to try him for the wires. Cut back to Manny pulling out his razor uh, when when something crawls and cl- um, clacks overhead. What the fuck do you think this razor's going to do? Right. So none of them asked to like take the What gun. was his job in this sequence? His job was to turn the fucking tracks. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, so that was what he was supposed to do. <laughs> like, even like watching it for the first time and like thinking about it now, it's like, oh, well, I forgot what he was supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. why is this guy out here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, he could do like the turning the tracks and the wiring. Nah, no, no, too much. Uh, too much, too much for Manny. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, obviously Manny has a one-track mind to find his son, which rightfully so. He shines the light on Chewie's face. He goes up to his son, letting him know uh, that it is him. Back on the car, Leonard doesn't understand what's taking Manny so long. Um, Susan asks if the subway tracks lead to the regular tunnels um, at Grand Central and Penn Station. They do. She knows that the bugs will use them to migrate out of the city. After that, they'll set up colonies anywhere they can. She. Uh, she knows that every every specimen um, that that they've seen has been female because a male is lighter and has no wings. If the colony is holding true to the Judas spawning pattern, the nest should only have one fertile male. Knowing that they they <clears throat> can catch the male and kill him, then they can then they wouldn't have the ability to breed, and the generation will die out. Manny works on getting Chewie on his um, out of his hiding spot. Chewie smiles as the bug clicks on down behind him, calling them friends. 
<laughs> you mean to fucking tell me Maddie couldn't hear this shit? Right? Like, he's just like, come on, Chewie. Come on here, Chewie. Come on, please. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, oh, shit. You got me. <laughs> it grabs Manny, pulling him into the air as they uh, start ripping him into shreds in front of a, a now frightened Chewie. And Chewie's like, <laughs> oh, shit, they are friends after all. <laughs> Poor Chewie. Bless Chewie's innocence. You know what I'm saying? Right. Friends. Because he's like, friends. You're like, oh, shit. You're fucking killing my dad right now. What the fuck? Yeah. It's a very intense scene. Terrifying scene. scene. Yeah. Scene's great. Leonard tries uh, for the line, but it doesn't start. He exclaims that Manny must must be in trouble. Susan shushes him. They hear Chewie breathing heavily. Um... Uh, she squeezes the gland uh, on herself to head outside. He tells her if the car starts, um, he'll meet her at the end of the platform. Peter Peter uses that noggin by connecting his glasses as a conduit for the wires. It works. The power <laughs> comes back on, on inside of the abandoned station. Uh, Susan goes looking for Chewie, finding Manny's flashlight and his bloody rosary on the ground. She continues. She picks picks it up, mourning him, spotting Chewie moving about in the corner. He's scared as she approaches and reaches out for him, but he takes her hand. Peter comes. Oh, he comes to her. Uh, Peter comes <laughs> comes out um, of the hole while Leonard gets the train moving. It catches onto something, causing so- something to hit Leonard's wound, releasing even more blood. Peter knocks on the window, sharing that he found a way out, out through a dumbwaiter. Leonard whispers for him to go away because he's bleeding. Peter asks where Susan is. Leonard weakly shares or weakly answers that she's, uh, she went to get Manny. Susan is helping helping Chewie to get out of there as the bugs crawl and click overhead. Peter comes inside the room telling her not to move because they haven't seen them yet. Leonard watches from inside the car, yelling for them to go, humming his nervous tunes as he thinks. While the other three are on the other side of the door, Leonard is working on becoming the sacrificial Negro trope singing. What the fucking fuck? Yep. Now, this is that's what I was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about it. Here's two things that piss me off about this scene. One. You know what? Three things. <laughs> One. Sacrificial Negro. Two. He's singing like he's a fucking slave. Yeah. Three. He's walking on tracks so like the whole metaphor of of the chain gang. Right. What the fuck, dude? It literally looks like yeah, he's like chained it, up right now. It like, looks like limping, he's chained. Like, yeah, it, it's such like the imagery alone just like made me I'm like, ah, this was no. so unpleasant. So fucking unpleasant. And for granted, a movie that I really liked, this was like, damn, you had to put that in there. It's like that's what his character was meant for this entire movie. Dude. That's how he goes. He was a badass. Was- you had him have a gun, like fucking fire off a hundred shots, maybe. And then, like, oh, now I decide, like, I want to die. Just for him to say, like, oh, no, I'm going to let these people that I met fucking two hours ago. Which I had arguments with, which which I don't think I get along with them at all. I didn't want to come down here. But these people made me come down here. It's like, maybe it's like, oh, did he see the kid? And he felt bad. It's like, oh, for the kid's sake. No, he doesn't even look at the kid. He doesn't even even know. It's like, they give a fuck about Chewie. Obviously, he does. Like, he, he just met Susan, pretty much. Yeah, like is this this whole scene was just like no, that. I'm bleeding. The lyrics. I'm gonna be like, nah, dude, fucking put more of this fucking bug juice on my leg. Let's get this shit popping. Pop me up in this dumb waiter. I'll go first. I'll test the shit out. Like, True. 
I'm the one injured here, right? So, like, let me test this out. I'll bring it back down. No, we don't go there. <sighs> so, yeah. Instead, they choose to go this direction. Very annoying. Very annoying. This this whole moment here was just like, fuck, this, this ruined the whole film for me. <laughs> like, right. granted, we don't see him die, die, but we can assume that he fucking died. Oh, he's for sure dead. He's when I sure when died. I see him like take a few of the shots, I'm like, hell yeah, fuck yeah! And then I was like, oh no, you're you're good, you're dead, gotcha. Yeah, like man. he gets those shots in, and then it's just like attacks. And then him it fucking the attacks face. his face. Yeah, like it's just that's like, death. Like yeah, dude, like you're dead. Yeah. Like granted, yeah, we don't get the confirmation kill, but we could assume that you fucking died from that. If, yeah, it's eating your face. It's eating your fucking face. It's eating your face. So yeah. It sucked. Anyway, he points his, his gun in multiple directions until the bug jumps on him. He fires his weapon while screaming and grunting while the uh, uh, to distract other bugs and the bug fucking st- stabs him in the face with its... What are those co- called? Little mauls? They're little, oh, I, don't I think know. they're called mauls or something. I don't know. Creepy face um, things. Anybody who knows bugs, tell me about it. Um, while uh, the other bugs are distracted, Peter and Susan help Chewie into the dumbwaiter. Chewie is freaking the fuck out while another bug jumps through the stained glass overhead. He closes the elevator, telling her um, that he has to stop them, uh, that he has to stop them uh, while manually sending them up. Chewie continues freaking out as she, as she tries to calm him down. She hears a train sound sound off while Peter gets her all the way to the top. He makes a run for it, crawling underneath the, the space um, with the wires, closing another gate. Susan kicks down the board to get her and Chewie out of there. Peter uh, makes it to, into another room, closing and locking a steel door. The bug notices where they are, cutting the wires to send her back down. She struggles to kick kick down the boards, even, even more so when she... Uh, uh, even more so, she can fit. She she's co- she covers herself from falling down on the ground with a piece of wood. The bug screeches as it quickly climbs up toward her. She kicks down the board, sending the dumbwaiter back down, also stopping the other bugs from banging on the door where Peter is. Peter steps in, into some goo on the ground, hearing the faint chirping and clicking noises above. He looks, realizing that he's inside the hatch nest. The banging on the door starts again. He sees, he sees steam bellowing for out from a pipe he takes out his lighter um getting an idea to blow his blow this place down even further into the ground once the uh, one of the bugs start to wake up um start to wake while others begin to hatch he he grabs an axe bursting a pipe with gas inside releasing the trapped gas he works on another pipe but the bug tries forcing its way through the door Peter tries lighting the lighter, but it won't light. The bug rushes inside, slashing and hitting him to the ground. He grabs the lighter below um, below into some water, removing the grate. He grabs his axe. More bugs wake up and start making their way toward him. He hits the axe on the ground, creating a spark to ignite the room while he uh, jumps into the, into the water. I don't think that's how it works. Sure, why not? Like, but, you know, we're going to accept it. Now this was necessary slow motion. I would say. Uh, sure, why not? I would say it was necessary it for looks us good. To, to for us to to really get the sense that 
He's really striking that ground. <laughs> <laughs> I love this explosion, though. This, Dude, this explosion, explosion is fucking wild. amazing. This caused like some collateral damage. Like Fuck there it, was great the destruction. Straight, straight up. The explosion and fire is so intense that it is blowing off all the manholes in the city, causing absolute chaos. Susan is pushed out um, by the burst. She gets up, calling and searching for Chewie. She walks down the tracks, the male coming inside the room. Chewie behind him, it focuses on Chewie. She yells no, limping as she runs toward it, yelling for it to uh, turn around and to and to not hurt Chewie. It doesn't listen to her, obviously. Um, she stabs her palm uh, with the rosary. The large bug gets closer to Chewie. She reveals the handful of blood. It immediately turns around. She waits as a subway train comes down the road. She starts running toward it as it gallops toward her. She pump fakes it, <laughs> moving out of the way just in time for this fucking train to hit it. She should have joined the football team. Like, bro, you dodged that a literal juke, yeah. su- subway train. Eat fresh. <laughs> it obliterates the blood, the bug. Um, she waits a moment before walking back out, noticing that Chewie is okay. What yeah, if Chewie that's, didn't that's, move out? I was of the about way? to say. I thought about this, and I was like, "Oh, okay, she did that." Well, what if Chewie, Chewie was on the tracks what too? It was just like you just see him dead on the ground too. Like, oh my <laughs> god! It's like. That would have been dark as hell. That would that would have fucking sucked. Above ground, the firefighters work to put out the uh, fires as police officers piled up to do cop shit. Susan and Chewie sit on a stretcher uh, with the, with their trope blankets as Walter comes uh, comes up uh, to them. I'm telling you, dude, it's a fucking trope. The blankets, the blankets, yeah. the fucking blankets. After tragedy, inside of a firefighter helping you, you get a blanket. And you get to take it home with you, maybe. I don't think so. I'd say that I survived the 1997 explosion of New York City. <laughs> Why do the sewers? blankets always look like they aren't like nice, like clean? Yeah, they yeah, always like, look dirty. Dirty. It's just dark. like, hey, yeah, we gave this blanket to someone who already had COVID, but yeah, like, <laughs> but I like, I okay. Remember, I said that I like when our protagonist gets fucked up. <laughs> She doesn't really get roughed up enough for me. She doesn't get roughed up enough. Like, I feel like she should have came out with a broken leg. Or birth a fucking cockroach baby. Like, something, something like that, right? Not just I dirty with just ash on your face. I think cockroach baby would have been funny. Or I mean, brutal. that would have been fucked up. But yeah. I'm, I'm into the idea, Freddie. I'm with you. Susan and Chewie <laughs> sit on a stretcher with their... Oh, excuse me. He shares that they swept uh, the area twice and it's completely burned. Nothing able to, nothing being able to uh, survive down there. She, she was like, nah, dude, it's been fucking 15 minutes. It's no way you did that twice. She wonders about <laughs> one of them. He's silent before apologizing. She begins to cry as Chewie finds another sh- um, shiny wire. Um, why there's so many wires on the ground in New York? I don't know. This is New York. <laughs> they both look up from, uh, from the top of the stairs, seeing that Peter actually made it out alive. They hug each other, including Chewie, as Walter looks in amazement. I would have been like, get your ass back down there and sweep that shit again, because obviously you're wrong. Something did survive the explosion. Spoilers. Then credits. I love it. This is fun. This was a fun movie. It's a fun flick. Uh, are there some problems with it? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. It's not perfect, which is why I could see them getting this rating. Yeah. Um, it does hold very, very well uh, stylistically and the way it's filmed. 
Uh, I think Gerald Del Toro is a really good director, and it really showcases it. And I'm surprised I haven't heard about this movie. Um, yeah. But overall, I think some of the kills are brutal. They're awesome to look oh, at. Yeah. I think the threat is something very imaginative and creative, and it has a really cool creature design. Um, I want him to come back to horror, man. I mean, he kind of did. No. With Nightmare Alley a little bit. Oh, no way. Some just horror the, just elements. Just that last sequence. Um, but yeah, we'll see what he does next. I thought next. Nightmare Alley was so boring. It's a, it's a great film, but very boring It's, film. it's very slow. Yeah, we'll talk again, about it in the gorgeous and stuff like that. It is, yeah. it is very much so. But I got some motherfucking movie facts for you. Movie facts. Now it's very fast. Drew has this very nice glass bottle of water. Where is it? Gorgeous. That, that Cavassier. <laughs> Tahoe Art Artisan water. I'm going to need a swig of that later. <laughs> Wait until you learn about it. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the heavy-handed post-production influence on Harvey Weinstein, uh, and you know what? I don't even want to read the it. The real cockroach. I don't even want, fucking want to read it. I'm not reading that one. Um, the scene where Mira Servino and Jeremy Northam walk walk in the hall with all the sick kids lying on the beds was actually directed by Ole Borendahl, one of the producers of the film. Interesting. Cool. I like it. It includes several examples of Del Toro's most characteristic hallmarks. Quote, I have a sort of a fetish for insects, clockwork, monsters, stark places, and unborn things. End quote. <laughs> Said Del Toro, and uh, this is the evident... And this is evident in Mimic, where at times all are combined in long, brooding shots of dark, cluttered, muddy, um, chaotic spaces. According to Alfonso Caran, Del, oh. uh, Del Toro's friend and colleague, quote, with Guillermo, the shots are, are almost mathematical. Everything is planned. Fuck Good yeah. Work. I love that because Alfonso Caran is one of my favorite directors, too. Alfonso Cuarón's great, man. Dude, so he's, re- he's really good. It's insane. Screenwriters Matt Greenberg and John Salas are uncredited in the movie, but were credited on some of the trailers and TV spots. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. <laughs> Holy shit! The fact that they don't acknowledge screenwriters as often as they should, right, is really fucked up to me. <laughs> um. The roaches are called the Judas breed, and there's some Christian imagery scattered yep. across the first yep, yep, movie. Yep. But it doesn't amount to much in terms of meaning, and is probably there because Del Toro likes creepy religious imagery. I did forget about that, too. I was like, oh, there's definitely religious references that don't lead to anything else as well. See, there's true. a lot of setup, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. That's true. Let's get a juicy one. We'll end off on that one. A little juicy. When the movie was uh, was changed from a short film into a feature-length uh, motion picture, writer-director Guillermo del Toro still wanted to keep the notion from Donald A. Wolham's source story, namely the man-sized insects were the product of evolution instead of science. Del Toro envisioned a scenario where God would be fed up with mankind, thus allowing the giant insects to take over as dominant species. The film was supposed to end on a down note, with the heroine finally finding the, finding a male of the colony, a creature that uh, could change into a form that was nearly indistinguishable. Undisguisable. Nailed it. From a man. Um, I would say leave, showing the insects' um, capabilities of mimic human appearance and sounds and sounds had become so advanced all, already that mankind was all all but doomed. However, the studio didn't like this idea and the dark ending, so they forced Del Toro to come with a scientific explanation for this uh, insect's advanced appearance as well as a happy ending. Fucking fuckers, man. 
They should have gone the dark ending. Yeah. With her birthing a cockroach baby. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let us know what you think of Mimic Over on Twitter. Hashtag Cockroach Baby. At Nightlight underscore pod. And I guess do that hashtag for Freddy. Uh, But let us know. We definitely want to keep that conversation going. Or you can head over to our Discord and you can let us know over there as well. Our Discord is going to be in the show notes as well. Remember, everybody, stick with us after the credits so we can explain a little bit of what's going to be happening with the changes of Nightlight or maybe podcast. Um, but next month, we are going to be discussing Aliens Month. Aliens! Also Aliens. coined as, I believe, starting with They Live. Oh. A John Carpenter classic, if you will. That I have never seen. I'm so excited for you, sir. It's fun. All right. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we have Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get the show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's signed with a what? By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. New episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. Mm. And if you are still here, <laughs> like as I promised, what we are going to go ahead and chat a little bit about here is... Some changes. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I'm going to go into a little bit more details for the next month episode. But we're going to be doing uh, some changes with Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. Nothing drastic with the show. The show is going to be the exact same show that you know and love. There's not going to be a change in schedule either. Um, However, we are going to be changing things like our Patreon. We're going to add a brand new tier to our Patreon that's going to be a $10 tier, um, which is going to include some special extra additionals. Um, One thing that is going to change is that our patron, our patrons shout out. Our patrons shout out is getting, as you can all know, very lengthy, which we are extremely thankful for. However, we're going to have to split that up a bit. So we are going to actually have shout outs be at a specific tier. Um, with that being said, we continue to say thank you for the constant support, whether you're a patron or not. It doesn't necessarily matter. But thank you so much for just supporting the show in general, listening to it, sharing it with friends, sharing it with family whatever just having a good time with it and interacting with us on twitter we love that type of shit and we really really live for that kind of stuff so thank you all so much for just being really cool people and just for fucking rocking with us for this amount of time um and lastly one thing that i also want to share as well is that with this patreon change uh we're actually going to be changing the name and or the link of our patreon i should say it just makes so much more sense to um have our patron our patreon be focused around just nightlight and nightlight only especially with the changes of how good night has um, transitioned over the year um where we have gotten rid of a show and we added another show that's a little bit on hiatus right now um but with that being said we are going to actually kind of just make this patreon only be for nightlight or maybe podcast therefore it's going to be patreon.com slash nightlight pod um starting next month so with that being said you're still able to kind of sign up for it and see it as what it is but the name will change starting next month july um and 
yeah so those are going to be one of the main changes that are going to happen um on the next episode we'll explain a lot more detail once we kind of have a bit more game plan of how we want to show all this stuff to you thank you all so much